Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. All right, Get ready friends, for some welcome awesome. back to um, yeah, yeah, there it is. There it is. Uh, John, let me ask you a question. Do you know the secret to a stronger prayer life? The joy of spending someone else's money? How to overcome anxiety or learn to forgive? Or how to ensure your unhappiness? Do you know any of those things, Jonathan? How to ensure your unhappiness? Yeah, here's the thing. You ensure my unhappiness, but that's not what this is talking about. In the new book by Pastor Tom Hughes, Down to Earth, we are guided through some of these amazing stories that teach, challenge, convict, heal, comfort, and motivate us. They are the greatest stories ever told because they hold the power to change the world. In fact, they already have, but they are not done. Now these down-to-earth stories have come to change your world too. Learn more at downtoearthbook.com. Speaking of down-to-earth, our very earthy friend, Jonathan Stormont, on the show what? today. What Thanks. does that mean, earthy friend? You're like you live in Arkansas. I figured that you're barefoot in the dirt. Like that's kind of the Arkansas way. Touche. That is that is true. Yeah. You are. Yeah. And you know what? Dirt. Yeah, and that's that's a good thing. Wendellberry. Yeah, exactly. Zach Brown Band. Toes in the water. Yeah, that's right. Toes in the sand. Yeah, that's exactly right. I know what I'm talking about. But you're just the person I want to talk to because I was telling you just a second ago that I'm feeling like I'm just not getting a whole lot of done, struggling to uh, how do I feel on a day that, you know, just one of those days where I'm not feeling productive. And if anyone knows what it's like to feel unproductive, it's John and Stormont. So you could help me I with that. I dare you. You know, that's, that's like a very low blow. I... I enjoy very much being productive. Why are you doing that? That'd be like me saying that uh, you you hate fun, that you're you're boring. That's how's it, how does it feel be, to be boring, Luke? I, I don't know. I'm never been boring. <laughs> also, I still am not willing to say that you're a three. Uh, I was even thinking about this this morning after we were on the phone. I thought he's he's still he's not a three. He's a three. Anyway, um, there's no what we want to celebrate. Say that. What would make you think that? Because I feel like you've never walked in a room and said, this is who I need to be because of this room's desire for me to be. I've seen you walk into a room and go, this is what the room doesn't want me to be, so I'm going to become that. I've seen that a whole lot. Anyway, anyway, what, what I do appreciate about is that today we have a technological advance in Arkansas. You got a, you got a new microphone, so thank you for that. And, uh, for the sake of our friendship, I bought a microphone this morning. So yeah. hopefully that helps you from griping. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, I think it helps our listeners as well. They're going to be very excited to hear more of your words, and that's, um, right. that's now, great. Let me ask you a question, Jonathan. At least 50% of this podcast will be orthodox. Okay, all right. This so uh, this week I preached a sermon at Pleasant Valley that I knew was coming for a long time. Uh, it's You know how Richard Beck says, outside of all the controversial issues in Churches of Christ— uh, there's really two kinds of churches of Christ, sectarian and ecumenical churches of Christ. Okay. Well, this was the Sunday where kind of came out as non-sectarian church of Christ. Um, so it was, it was, which, you know, anybody's followed my ministry knew that, but, you know, I haven't said it in the pulpit here yet until this past Sunday. But listen to what? I did, and I'd like to hear your take on this, because um, you know how much I care about education and reaching people who are uneducated, not not in the name of fisticate. Yep. Okay, yeah. So, 
So there's these two Harding Bible guys, Scott Adair and um, Max Sandlin, who's our age, who's a Bible professor. And Harding Bible faculty is very much not sectarian. Um, the they've come up with this thing. It's like a new five finger exercise, which you know was for rural and uneducated people. But they were to address unity in churches of Christ. They said, "What if you started reading the Bible?" through your baptisms and like started thinking through baptism. And so they said, basically, who is a Christian? Who is my brother? And they did it like this. What's the first question you ask somebody when they get baptized? Do you affirm Jesus is Lord? Thumbs up. Jesus is Lord. So then after that, uh, we believe God is one, you know, father, son, Holy spirit. You're, you're pointing. This is a podcast. They can't see, but I'm doing it. You've so, got to describe Hold Now I've got my thumb and my first finger up. You're right. That's just- do you want me to commentate while you do this? He's holding up his thumb. It is a short thumb. Uh, it, uh, it, is, it is in the direction of <laughs> There's so many days north. I wish you weren't going to heaven. <laughs> okay. And now he's holding up an L That's sign right. with his index finger or extended te- to the sky. Or tech. Texas Tech guns up. Okay, so, and then uh, two. So my middle finger is up. And you uh, do... He is flipping me <laughs> off. Everyone is flipping me off. <laughs> Three fingers are up. Let the record show you just said... Three fingers your- are up. <laughs> you are so bad okay. at color commentary. <laughs> okay, so three fingers up. And the, the it makes the peace sign or the V sign for victory. But in between, it's Jesus uh, became one of us, died, and rose again. Right? And then... This is getting complicated. No, it's not. Just pay attention. So, like, third finger is wedding finger. Um, you're baptizing the communion of the saints, the church. Um, mm-hmm. And then fifth finger. If you're single, you're left out. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. To the church family. <laughs> no. Gosh, you're so bad. Uh, could you turn off the construction for just a second? And then and then pinky, uh, weak, your weak finger, weakness, forgiveness of sins. Then palm down to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, then up, raised to newness of life. And then basically, here's the point. I didn't know you guys did dancing at Harding, because that's basically, you just did a, the Macarena with your hand. <laughs> up, down, lift it up, turn it all around. <laughs> like, that's hokey pokey. You're confusing yeah. Macarena. Okay, so here's the point. Move away from being sectarian, and also a way of making sure that we don't major in minors. I know this is like not something that you're dealing with like at Westover, although in some ways it might be. Because, you know, I've seen a lot of progressive Church of Christ try to push other things into the center of the gospel that don't belong there. You know what I mean? That's not just a conservative problem. No, I I think anytime you make an issue the center of it, like, things become problematic. And, yeah, I mean, that's across the board. acted out in baptism and even so, even also in communion. Those are the center of the gospel, and those are the things that we will break fellowship over, but not anything else. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, hmm. So basically, like Donald yeah, I, Trump saying he doesn't need forgiveness. Well, uh, hold on. Then that's yeah, that's yeah. a that's an issue. That, that I wouldn't say you're a brother in Christ. Um. Yeah. But not. You know. Hold on. You want to walk that one back a little bit? I don't. Um, Are you? You're. Yeah. Well, I, so, I mean, my understanding is he doesn't think he needs forgiveness, and I think that's pretty. Pretty. That's like denying the resurrection. In terms of denying our need for the resurrection, denying the need, de- denying the Savior, Yeah, like uh, I don't think I have to walk that back. 
And that doesn't mean that Donald Trump hasn't done you know good things as a president or whatever. If you voted for him, it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. Uh, but I, the same way that like a Mitt Romney, I think a lot of people would have voted for him without saying that yep. he was. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, it's a move towards being ecumenical without. Uh, um, I, I like what they're trying to accomplish. I think it's a little convoluted to, because you're trying to say five fingers and then you have the, the, the lifting the hands, the lowering the hands, right. the, the valley in between your index and well, your pinky, the, all that stuff. And, and the resurrection I, of the dead. I know that's the hand raising stuff, but I, I, like I would, in a more simplified version, say the the thing about the your baptism, like that is the center of your understanding. Like you made the confession that Jesus is Lord. If others make that, l- let's start right there. If others say Jesus is Lord, okay, let's go from there. Um, I, I can see that in a more nuanced uh, conversation, getting to all the other stuff is helpful, but. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I, I appreciate anyone who's trying to move away from one of the most prominent sins of our tradition, which is the idea that we're the only ones going to heaven. And uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I don't feel like that's an an issue that has really been in any serious conversation that I've been having in a long time. And I'm grateful there are people who are still fighting that battle for those who are having that conversation. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. So yeah, that's that's what those guys are doing. They uh, came to Pleasant Valley this weekend. Max Sandlin helped me preach a non-sectarian sermon. That it was great, man. People were coming up afterwards with tears in their eyes. Um, at first, I wasn't sure which direction those tears were going, but it turned out mm-hmm. they were good. You know, so so this conversation I don't think would carry as much gravitas in many other settings. Uh, because it seems like most people are going, yeah, we, we've already moved moved mm-hmm. from that being a, a, a stumbling block for us. And do you think that is part of the reason why there's some who think that we are kind of without a vision or like not sure who we are once we've moved away from that? Uh, yeah, I do think there is a little bit of, I, I think there are problems on the other side of sectarianism. Um, I, you know, me and you have talked, I think maybe on Mike, but maybe not about, sectarianism on the other side uh you know justice stuff has all the i mean even the same language of intersectionality uh sect you know like my thing of justice is more important than your thing of justice and when you know once you start connecting okay you know what i mean yeah like uh Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So the the idea that if you're not behind this one issue and you're not as passionate about this as mm-hmm. me, then then I can't fellowship with you. Yeah. Or it's the stuff that you just mentioned a second ago of you know if you voted for Trump that doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Um, there are many who would say that many. There are some that I've heard who voice the antithesis of that that they thought well if you voted this way that means you're not a Christian and that's the same sort of sectarianism right right. That the sectarianism, here's the thing, it. sectarianism and racism are demonic. There really are principalities and powers, and they, they raise their head in a lot of different ways. And one of the things they've done in Church to Christ is make you think it's the demonic whisper of you'll be special. If you believe this, if you bend your knee to this, you'll be special. You'll be in an exclusive circle that other people are out. But that's not unique to Churches of Christ. There were Baptist traditions that were sectarian. To this day, in Little Rock, there is a, I won't, I won't say the specific Baptist tradition, but they think that they're the only ones going to heaven. Like, not even other Baptists are going to heaven. The, the same issue of, 
we want to be special. We, we are the better ones. We're the enlightened ones. Mm-hmm. Presents its head in multiple different ways. That's what you're saying. And, and I, I would definitely. And so what I like about that is a baptism is the antidote. And thinking mm-hmm. theologically, what it is we're doing when we get baptized and what's the center of that story and making sure that all those, not that other things don't matter and are, are important, but they're not going to be things that you break fellowship. They may mean that you don't worship in the same building with other Christians on Sunday morning because they're going to do things differently than you do, but you're not going to say those people are pagans, yeah. you know, yeah. stuff like that. Anyway, I just thought it was a yeah, helpful no, I, tool for anybody dealing with the same kind of stuff that like I'm dealing with in Little Rock. Yeah. No, I think the, the sacraments of baptism and Eucharist are great reminders of and and when you start to you know change anything or talk about grace or you know freedom in Christ, a lot of the things that make people anxious are you start to, they start to think well you're not standing for anything, and I say no we're standing for these seven things these these seven things are non negotiables you know what I mean mm-hmm. that's why I wouldn't walk it back on Trump because you know what I mean like if he if he asked for forgiveness mm-hmm. then yeah okay. <laughs> ready for some church discipline but you know yeah um okay so church i don't know if you saw trump yeah uh there was a tweet that i think the guy's name is white uh he's a reform guy who posed in a tweet something about what has been more damaging to the african-american community the issue is like fatherlessness the oh, the absence did see of father or which is and he said you know father like the, the absence of fathers currently uh, that are not in homes or slavery, which happened, and he said, I think 150 years ago or 300 years ago, whichever number he said. Um, and I saw one response to that, and he goes, it was a person from one of the high church traditions. He goes, this is why I don't respect uh, local uh, eldership only because there's no oversight over something like this, where if you have your local elders, they, which is weird as a Church of Christ guy, I'm like, I've always really valued local autonomous congregations but in a moment like that that you don't have a voice that will come in and say this is you you can't say stuff like this this is not uh um, yeah you're right and, and and i've yeah there was a uh, in bad religion ross dutet's bad religion book he talked about how the methodist church integrated in like the south and one of the uh the methodist pastors was like we it's going to take us 10 years to do that and the presiding bishop over the whole country goes it's happening tomorrow. <laughs> so it's like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you, they, they don't bend yeah. their knee to, I mean, there's strengths and weaknesses to it. And obviously in that case, it, it was a strength because. Yeah. Um, I've never thought about that. Now, obviously as someone who's hosted an ordination of a bishop, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm basically qualified as qualified as basically any church of Christ preacher to become a bishop. Um, so like whoever's starting to run that campaign, as qualified as any church of Christ preacher. I mean, it's like having the fastest minivan, you know, it's not saying a whole lot, but it's saying something. (laughs) And that was good. That was good. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, So, yeah. He seemed like a really cool dude. Wasn't he great? Uh, This Bishop Kerr, obviously. Uh, yeah, obviously there's a reason that he is. Continue to believe he was dead. I haven't even circled back with him about it yet. Uh, I I was so proud of that. That I haven't even circled because oh, and the times oh, such a good thing. I'm not saying it was as, as yeah, it was one of the better things I've ever done in my life. Really, is 
prolonging that over nine months. I mean, it was as special giving birth to that joke as <laughs> two of my three children. Uh, so all those things took the same amount of time to develop and each of them have been meaningful to me. And I'm not going to pick one over the other, but they're all special. But there's in one, way. one of your girls is more, more important than they... I'm guessing eight. Well, obviously. Yeah. Eight. Oh, we wouldn't say names. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. So when uh, so Curry has the royal wedding, which did you watch when it actually took place? Uh, I mean, I saw bits and pieces, but no. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't watch it either. Can you imagine having one one thing you do become the only thing that <laughs> people think of when they think your name? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, not not to that level. I mean. But, I'm just glad it, for him. I'm glad it's something good, you know. Yeah, better yeah. than the alternatives on social media these days. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. It, it definitely could be a whole lot worse than that. So, okay, so here's here's my take on on your stuff. He seemed like a wonderful guy. I know, I know y'all would. All, I know both you and he would go with the other side of what I'm saying, but. It seems to me like a lot of uh, progressive Christians these days emphasize loving yourself. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. In order to do that, you got to love yourself. So here's my thing with that. I think that's true. I obviously believe that, but it doesn't seem to me like the big problem that we're facing in the world today is that people don't love themselves enough. Hmm. Well, first of all, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I've seen you often step in a room and go, how can I be the opposite voice? Uh, so this is point number one for why you're not a three. Point, uh, second comment. So you think people are often very narcissistic. Uh, I, okay, okay, you didn't say that. Uh, I mean, I, okay, so you're on board with that. I think there's definitely a lot of narcissism, but narcissism and self-love Probably aren't the same. Yeah, thing. I guess I'd like to figure out what the distinction is on that because self care um, versus like being egocentric and you know if if I learned anything from Randy Harrison contemplative prayer, it was that the best way forward for loving yourself and minimizing the pain that you go through is letting go of your ego and stepping away from the story you're telling yourself about yourself. Okay, I, I obviously the self-emptying is a central part of the story of Jesus. L- let me differentiate narcissism and self-love, and then I would let's jump back to that. I, I think narcissism would say to, to go back to what I said at the, be- the beginning of the show is if I don't feel like I'm being very productive again, there's a form of narcissism that says my production defines who I am. That's not self-love; that's narcissism. But self-love is like I'm accepted for who I am, not what I've done. Mm-hmm. And those are two vastly different things. Now, the self-emptying, the carrying your cross, the um, the dismissal of your ego, it seems like that coincides with being able to receive that God is love and that, that God loves you. And it seems like you're able to love yourself when you can receive that love from God. Yeah, okay, so that's, uh, yes, I agree with. You think that's different? Yeah, don't you? Like... I feel like we, if you if you just pick somebody off the street and tell them you need to be sure and love yourself, first off, that's not going to be controversial at all. I feel like that that message is used to sell Hondas yep. and iPods. You know, like <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's 
It's so true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if, if you're asking what that meant, I think it would not mean what you just said. It would mean... But there's a difference, like the, the self-care kind of whole um, industry, it's just like, let me pamper myself, let me make myself happy. Mm-hmm. I, I think love is abiding in a much deeper place than... Yeah, the, and if that's what we're talking about, I'm all in. I, really, like, I have no qualms with that. Um, it just feels like there's going to be a gap between what y'all are meaning and what's being heard, unless you unpack that a little bit more, because we're we're pretty self-centered and consumeristic, and, mm-hmm. you know, when... Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, that was just now, one of the things, and I felt like y'all were pretty nuanced about it as you went along, but um, I, don't, I didn't feel like every one of those threads got unraveled, so... Yeah, I, I would like to hear him parse that because I think he would probably have something to yeah, say about I, that I, too. I think that um, I think I, I think he would. I didn't, I'm not trying to represent him as saying what I said. I'm just saying I just hear that a lot, and I don't think people because I don't think most of my progressive Christian friends would say what a pe- person on the street thinks they're hearing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think they would say something more like what you said: the deepest way to be loved is to receive the love of God. Um, anyway. Yeah, and, and and I think that moves past the narcissistic, let me just focus on myself and the, you know, if you don't take care of yourself, no one else will. Like, that's a version of self-love, which I think is antithetical to the kind of love that God invites us to abide in. Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so I think you're right. We need to nuance that and say what, what you mean by it. Um, okay, so... Uh, it's like you lost... You want to talk about... Yeah, yeah. Did you, uh, as you were listening to him talk about it, did you ever read that book, by the way? No, I had a friend. who I was reading it on a trip, and then a friend of mine needed it and then took it and then got the publisher to send it to me instead of buying me. So I paid for the book, mm-hmm. and then the publisher sent me a free copy of the book that was meant for my friend, and I got that like four weeks later. So... No, but you got it. Though. I did. That's true. I got it, but not in time for this podcast. Hmm. My friend. What are the chances? What are the chances that uh, our Christians make the best atheist series is better than his Seculosity book? What do you think? I read ten pages and I thought it was pretty similar. I thought it was. Uh, that wasn't the question. Obviously, we know it's similar. I liked your metaphor. Better or worse? I liked your metaphor better. Take that, David. <laughs> I read ten pages, David. So yeah, I, you talk crap about CrossFit, and Jonathan's going to come at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> Good Talladega Nights reference. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think he and I, like uh, the three of us, were tapping into a similar idea. And obviously, David Dark. I almost called him David Duke, which is a vastly there different is voice. A big difference. <laughs> vastly, uh, David Dark. Uh, the concept that you can't say that you are not religious because there is a there is religion in everything, and you even mentioned that earlier. I, so yeah, I, I liked what he was doing. I, man, I think I think part of the reason we're tapping into it, I think a lot of people are tapping into it, is because people are. It, it's it's becoming more and more obvious that mm-hmm. oh this is this is not this is you are you have a religious fervor about this secular thing. You are not. It's not that you're just you know somewhat. This is not just a hobby for you. You are deeply devoted to this. And I liked his uh, his his just very plain way of saying, you know, the Harvard bumper sticker 
is for the parent to feel like their life yeah. mat it's justified. And um, that's, I mean, it's religious language, but it's exactly the same thing. You're trying to justify your life and say, um, I am saved in ways that others are not. I have been a good parent and uh, others. His way of defining righteousness, that I am literally making my case for why I am right to be here, right to be alive. I I thought that was really helpful the way he nuanced it. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's really good. So when you think of the different things, the different facets of life that people have a religious fervor for, what are the ones that come to your mind first? Give me like the the three that come to your mind first as areas of this is a a religion to you. Uh, Money, sex, and status. Those would be the money, sex, status. Those would be the three big idols, I think. For um, but I, I don't. Did you ever watch Andy yep. Crouch's Q talk on Romans sixteen? No, oh, it's one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Did you watch it on a screen? Yes, I did. I did. <laughs> well played, Luke. Well played. Um, it made me tear up watching it. Um, he said, "What well, he?" So he has this thing where he talks about. Uh, You've, you've got to watch it. But he says, in, in modern world, there is a – we have traded personhood for – but when my country friends come over, if I ask them to describe America, they will say something like, it's so much loneliness. Um, yeah. We are incredibly prosperous, but we're incredibly lonely. And he said, I can very precisely navigate how successful you are by asking – how many people around you know your parents' names? Wow. And yeah, it was really, really profound. Or your grandparents' names, because you've traded personhood for power. And so, do you know my dad? Do you know my dad's name? Yes, I do. What is it? Come on, it's Doctor. <laughs> it's Larry Goofball. Do you know my dad's name? Yes, I do. Vernon. Vernon. No, but it is it is pretty Arkansas. You don't know? That's what I meant. It's Cletus. That's what I meant. I said Cletus. <laughs> Cletus. Like, I, it's a nickname I call him. Okay, so people have traded status for being known. Being known. Do you think that... Yeah. Anyway, his whole thing is on Romans 16 and how this is this is not a new revolution. Rome actually brought these same kind of revolutions that the modern industrial and postmodern uh, technological world have brought. But the way of Jesus uh, pushed against those in, in beautiful way. And it's, it's really, really profound, but it made me super happy. It feels like it describes my place of where I'm, the kind of my last year, trading status. But everybody here knows my parents' names. You know what I mean? Like, yep. But no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's good. Um, this next was this I'm the wh- first Muslim you've ever had on your podcast? Uh, I mean, Josh Graves. I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. He definitely was the first physician. That I well no Kent Brantley yeah I guess he counts as a, he's a real physician but like like we like I knew him in 
undergrad. So it's not like he's... He doesn't feel like he's a real doctor, even though he's the most famous doctor. I mean, sure, maybe. Like Um, Dr. Death is probably more famous than him, right? Oh, oh. Well, okay. So I start talking to him, and then as I'm... uh, I as Virgie, and uh, I'm a few minutes in the conversation, and then I remember Lindsay talking to me about her experience working with doctors and how those interactions often happen. And I'm realizing... This guy, like, he's literally wearing his white coat, and he's, like, at his clinic or whatever, and I'm going, oh, yeah, this is a different conversation, because he's, he's, he's literally just whatever doctoring he does. But um, he came back to my mind. I, I, we recorded that, obviously, weeks ago. But uh, this past week, when there was that Russell Moore mm-hmm. from um, w- former president of the Southern Baptist Convention... Uh, he tweeted something about, hey, we need to take care of um, immigrants. They need to be cared for. Uh, you know, just quoting some Jesus stuff about taking care of the least of these or whatever text he referenced. And then uh, Falwell Jr., his response of, you know, what what have you run? What, what Have you ever met payroll? Have, what have you created? Who are you to talk about this? And I thought what Iaz was referen- Dr. Virgie was talking about was, the political rhetoric affects day-to-day lives of people that even if Trump himself might not mean for this to cause something to an actual person of color or uh, someone who is Muslim, there actually are ramifications for it. And I think one of the ramifications is that you have people like Falwell who as uh, someone from uh, one of Annie's friends at relevant says, uh, uh, diet Trump diet Trump. Because he's, in some ways, like, that's the caricature that he's made of himself online, of this sort of Trumpian figure just saying these bombastic statements that, obviously, that's not true. Dr. Moore is, like, amazing. I mean, he is is, uh, somebody who speaks truth to, you know, his own religious people and then as well as to the secular world. So he is not a – he's not a partisan hack. No, he – He's against abortion and against racism and like in equal measures. You know what I'm saying? Like Dr. Moore, I'm a big fan of his. So I I can't – for Jerry Falwell Jr. to go after Dr. Moore, I think – first of all, I don't know anything about Jerry Falwell Jr. Um, uh, Outside of the New York Times article that I read that I won't repeat here any of those things because it seems like gossip. But – (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, I, but I don't know anything about, yep. you know, his religious background or what he's done at Liberty. But I would think he would know not to talk junk to Doctor Moore. Well, I think though that, but this is the 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 Trumpian effect that you know Trump has these outlandish comments that you know he himself has said. You know, part of the the playbook. According, you know, uh, Virgie referenced this, Dr. Virgie did in, in the podcast that in Art of the Deal, that's what Trump says is part of how you should do this is like outlandish language. And I think, you know, Falwell Jr. to say, you know, you haven't built anything, even though the mm-hmm. fact that he's at a university where the man who has his name before him created it and he is a junior himself. Like, so he clearly isn't a man who's built his life on his own two feet. You know, he's been given yeah, stuff. That's, that's a uh, funny, funny thing for him to say. Have you ever. Anything? No, you haven't either. You know, yeah, that's funny. But but I, I think language has real world effect, and I think as Virgie was describing his experience, it was very eye opening in a way that 
I wouldn't say most of us, but they're a white middle-class person has not had their life upended or affected because one president went out and a new one went in. It, it, it didn't make a big difference. Okay, so your insurance is different or your bills are a little bit different, but for the most part, day-to-day life is not different. Now, I'm curious as someone who also lives in you know, Dawson, Minnesota, small town, small town, Arkansas. Obviously, there's some difference south and north, but your experience having someone live in your house for a year, your exchange student friend. Uh, yeah, I did think about that when I was listening to him. That uh, I if, yeah. if uh, but Simran came over here uh, a month ago or a few months ago, and he was pretty well received. Uh, I think I told you Pleasant Valley. He came here like my first couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were like, "This is worse than we thought," because <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing a big turban. But um, <laughs> the. Um, I don't think he said it was worse here. He said it was worse over there. That he said America is more uh, r- routinely belittled because people can't believe. But he also said, and also Brexit. It's like nobody understands these yeah. things. But um, here's what I would say from Arkansas. First off, I love this guest. I thought he was great. Um, the, I, I mean. What a great guy has a real heart for people and and my kind of people. Um, I I think he's on to something. Here's here would be the other side of things. John Stewart after uh, after the election said something along the lines of, "Good, well then let's clear the air because talking like this, if that's what we have to do, then it'll at least keep us from talking in dog whistles." And I do feel like. In the name of, um, of uh, you know, not – so I feel like everything is a, a reaction, right? And I think for mm-hmm. a long time, classic liberalism said competition of ideas, you know, like you talk and talk and talk. And then there was kind of a suppression of that in the name of not hurting other people's feelings, which I get. Lynn Anderson used to say that words are like building invisible – walls you know so you want to be careful with your words i get that as preachers i think we have to be careful with our words but the flip side of it is and this is seen in stuff like um hillbilly elegy with jd vance and uh, others flip side of it is if people feel like you have to be certain if people feel like they they're not smart enough to participate in a conversation they won't but they're not going to let your ideas influ- influence them either. Does that make sense? So it'll, no. they'll, they won't they won't talk at town hall. They'll talk at McDonald's. I mean, you asked you asked them kind of that question when it came to uh, you know they go into the voting booth and vote. And he, I do think so. I'm I'm on his side. You know, I think I think Trump has been a toxic force. Um, that's that's hurt a lot of his his rhetoric is the worst thing about him. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know, I don't know enough about the economy, but it looks like he's done good stuff there. But his, his rhetoric is unacceptable. I mean, I think it needs to be said because the language that Trump used creates that experience for someone else. And I also think you're right that if we don't create ways for civil discourse where people can disagree, if you get, as you describe, you're not the town hall, but you're going to go talk about the McDonald's, the voices... 
at the McDonald's are are still needing to be expressed, and those need to be in the dialogue. But if we don't have a way to to include them, then you know we're not going to be treating each other as neighbors. We're not going to be good neighbors to each other. And there is hate, and there's bigotry and prejudice. And part of it is you're not going to get that dealt with unless you get it out. And it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt in the town hall to hear some of the words that are used or the fear that's expressed. Um, but, you know, my, my hope is that in church that stuff happens, that there would be, you know, at Highland and now at Pleasant Valley, I would love to start a, what I, I was going to call it 13.5 at Highland, as in First uh, Corinthians 13.5, love is not easily offended. And we were going to talk at like once a month on a Sunday night have like a thing on whatever the latest thing was that was in the news and just have people on both sides and just talk, talk it through and let people hear. Cause if this is true, then church people should be able to do this. But you know, if, if, you know, I'm not assuming, I don't think America is a Christian nation. So I don't assume that that is happening in, you know, everywhere. But if, if you do want to have, a less hateful election than I think having being willing to have your feelings hurt and hear, yeah. you know, cause I, I think, I think for example, your doctor friend, him say him saying, do you know you voted that when you voted that way, it really hurt my face. And here's the other thing as Christians, I think we, we have a duty to say, even if we're you know big Trump supporters, big Republicans, whatever, and I assume that there's plenty of, of those people who are listening to this podcast or listen to our ministry at some level, then I would say, great. You know, all my family loves Trump. I'm not a big Trump guy, but all my family does. A lot of people love Trump. I would say, great. He's done some really good work. You need to disavow the stuff that is not presidential. So when he when he says those things about what was the example that he gave about how uh, um, the guy in his he rally claimed him to be uh, an extremist, but he actually yeah. was a white guy. Yeah. It was a white Christian college student. Yeah. I mean, that, that's unacceptable. That's, that's uh, fear baiting. And um, you know, the, the things that he does, I think that are, I do think we're called to say that's, we can support this. We're going to pray for him as a leader. Um, and you, and if you're going to vote for him again, fine, whatever. But in NT Wright has this thing where he says in the, um, in the first Christian world, um, <clears throat> you would pray for your leaders and, uh, you, you have very, very little, um, impact on what what kind of leader you would get, but you would both pray for and speak prophetically towards them after they were your leader, right? Uh, and now today, we do all that beforehand and then don't do anything yep. after. Like basically we, you know, just, no, you're supposed to honor and support them. Yeah, but you're also supposed to speak prophetically to them. And I think, you know, if, if Trump knew that the Christians that supported him didn't support every part of what he did, then that might make a difference. So, Well, uh, I think basically you said everything you need to say about Trump. Um, he's not a Christian, and uh, 
I'm sure you told that to your family, so I'd, I'd love to hear how that went. Um, you and I don't think anybody's yeah. surprised. Well, <laughs> would you? You know, I honor my father. I guess you and Cletus don't have that same relationship that me and Larry do. But Larry was in the podcast uh, coming back on. It's great hearing you get the therapy you needed. Fun. Yeah, I like therapy with my dad. That's that's it. One of the things that he yeah. wanted to say that he uh, we talked about afterwards is that. You know, my dad obviously loves podcasts, and one of the benefits is that it connects us to so many ideas that theoretically it should lower our level of arrogance because you hear so many different ideas and you have the access to so many different points of view that you shouldn't have the arrogance to say that, like, this is it, I've got it figured out, I'm the only one who understands everything, because you, the readily available um, divergent voices should temper some of that. I don't know if it always does, but I thought that's an interesting idea from old Larry. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. One of um, one of my listeners told me that uh, they really like when I have people on that like me. And so whenever they see your name, they just don't listen. But when it's my dad, they do. That really 100% happened. Yeah. So would you like really? to say three nice things about me? And so maybe that would win over hey. some listeners. No, it wasn't Mrs. Norris, really. Um, uh, three nice things about you. That's like two more than I've got. That's why people feel that way. <laughs> All right, let's talk about something else then. Um, as people know, you live in Arkansas, um, which you said basically every three sentences. And uh, you invited someone from Highland Park, the Park City's Dallas, to come preach out there recently, a few weeks ago. How many pews of the average church in Highland Park, Dallas, how far back, how many pews do you have to go back to exceed the entire yearly income of the entire like neighborhood that you live in? Is it two pews? Oh. Yeah, that's... Two that's, pews, yeah. That's, two pews. Highland Park is... Yeah, that's... <laughs> Did, did Wade no, tell I, you what I've happened? Since then. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> I dropped him off. We go to eat dinner after he preaches and I drop him off at the hotel. We've had it reserved for a few weeks. <laughs> he texts me when I'm on the interstate, come back. So <laughs> I have to go back. <laughs> Apparently the hotel overbooked. And so they just said, you city um, slicker. We don't sorry. need you here. Yeah, they they just overbooked, and they they actually said we 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 uh, he ran across a big a real crowded street to get to another hotel, but they were out too, and so we went to like three or four different hotels, and finally we had to kick our two year old out of his bed at like midnight. He <laughs> <laughs> stayed in our house. Uh, welcome to Arkansas. It was, That's yeah, it was it was pretty fun, but he did our that. zip line. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it was fun. I see these videos, and I think one of these is going to end poorly. One of these is going to end up on fail, fail blog or whatever. Yeah, block, block or charge. charge. Yeah, that's exactly what that would be. It would be a charge because the ground is definitely charge. stationary. Well, yeah, Jonathan, all the best to you. Uh, what do we have next next month on the podcast? Um, I recorded one with Glenn Packiam. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, I great. love that guy. Uh, I, 
I think that one might be, I might say that's next month. I'm doing one with uh, Jason Michelli, who did uh, Cancer is Funny. He's got a new book uh, on, uh, I think it's on marriage. Actually, it is on marriage. And then I've got one from a guy named John Barton, who was just in like Time Magazine talking about how Jews and Christians read the Bible differently. What are you talking about? No, John and Sarah name. Martin? Different person. Yeah. Huh. Um, my friend Paul okay. sent that to me, uh, a link to it, because he did a piece on... Uh, Somewhere. But, uh, yeah, his name's John Barton. And, uh, by the way, my friend Paul just won an award at the film festival. It's spelled C-A-N-N-E-S. Yeah. I believe it's in France. Do you, uh, do you know how that town is uh, pronounced? Uh, yes, but I don't want to appear you know, pretentious. So no, I, 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 would, you go. I would love to mm. hear you pronounce no, no, I'm just, it would be, Time. it would come across as okay. full of pretense. All right. Never mind. Well, he just won the, uh, the best young producer at that film festival. So, uh, uh-huh. hmm? which one? You, you say it. I'm, I asked you the question. I guess. Why are you doing the hand motion to me again? Stop, stop flipping me off, man. That's. I feel like we, we talked about that already. <laughs> what is this? This is like Jim on the... Uh, Dwight is taking off his shirt and stabbing this it's audio. And no. That's what you're doing to me. What, what's, what's... How do you say it? I think so. How would you Can, say it? Con? Okay. I don't know. You, you, you can yeah, say it however it. you want. That's right. You can say it however you want. Anyway. All right, man. Well, Jonathan, you have yourself a good uh, July. Take care, buddy. You too, Luke. Thanks for checking out Newsweek with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.